Well, hello to the listeners of Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein sitting around my dining room table with my tech gear and my poems for all next to me. Poems for all are with me basically a lot of the time because I spend way too much time doing work that involves record keeping and communications related to my social work practice and radio and projects like the Lord's Busker Festival will come up and we could do poetry there. Anyway, I keep these lovely little poems for all next to my laptop and my cup of tea at the moment. Um, and snuck in there in addition to the poems for all is a delightful poem from Wolfgang Karsten's so these are just some of my little favorites. And then at my desk upstairs, I have my books of poetry, wonderful things, and some broadsides from Everett Wright's Press and different things. I love the paper book thing. And I encourage people to buy the books and enjoy them and share them. Yesterday, I was kind of in a panic. Well, not a panic, but I was like, oh, oh, my book from Annette Billings, Descants for a Daughter. I loaned it to somebody and I don't remember who I loaned it to, crap. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll show back up. And in fact, later in the day, there was some need to remember where that lovely book is. I believe in sharing. I also believe in buying for people and having people buy books anyway. Support the artists. Yes, do that because that is important so that they can continue to create and share their work, whether it's poetry or visual art or dance or whatever. Tip the tip jar. Do the things you can to support local art. That is my reminder, my PSA for the day, I guess. I'm excited this morning. We record in the morning, even though people listen anytime through the podcast or evenings on the internet premieres of shows. I'm excited to have a guest who comes to me, thanks to Wolfgang Karstens of Epic Rights Press, because I've grown really fond of and excited by work that comes from that small press. It's not the only one that I love. Six Wells, Six Foot Wells, I give you guys a huge shout out to. And I just got a lovely book from Paladin Knight Press that has so many wonderful poems accompanied by photos of Tim Weary. So really, there are lots of small presses. They're wonderful. Support them. I said that already. Okay. My guest today is Matt. <laughs> and I didn't ask him how to say his last name, so I'm just oh. going to look at it and say, Matt, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, nobody wants to pronounce it the right way, Galetta. Oh, so it's the easy yeah. way. Yeah. See, I didn't want to assume because depending on the roots of it, the two L's could be sounding more like a Y, and I didn't oh, want right, to right. watch yeah. it. Okay, Matt Galetta, who has many kinds of writing from what I understand, poetry and more in terms of genres that you write with. And, and I love the little reference that you have about gardening and such. So, hey, tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I write, uh, you know, all sorts of whatever, poetry and, and fiction and, you know, short stories, all sorts of stuff like okay. that. Um, live in, in New York, just outside of Albany. Um, yeah, gardening. Do that. Getting that. That's getting started for the year. Although is that like food gardening? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we 
we do some flowers too to keep the wife happy. But uh, <laughs> you know, okay. Well, mostly vegetables though. We're working on. Uh, cool. Um, What's it like up there? You know, for a lot of us that have been deprived, we've been to maybe New York City, but not other parts of the state. Sure. What's, what's upstate around Albany? What's it like around there? Um, we're about we're like two and a half hours north of uh, of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of upstate New York is really depressed, and like a lot of the country, but um, because we have the capital here, there's you know something like an economy up here. If you're if you're into poetry, though, it's actually a great. It turned out to be a great place to to live. There's um, there's a reading probably almost every night of the week. Oh, really? There's there's something to do almost every night of the week in this in this general capital region area. Um, yeah, so I, I I always encourage people to to check it out. There's uh-huh. there's um, if if listeners go to like albanypoets.com that has uh, all the information, a ton of events listed. Cool. So, yeah, it's a nice. It turned out to be a nice area. Which I didn't know when we first moved here. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. What What took you to that part of the country? Uh, college, you know, like a lot of people, it seems like we moved here for for college. Yeah. Um, and then and never left. Yeah. It just got you know, <laughs> but it's been that's, pretty good actually. Yeah, that's how I live in Lawrence, Kansas. Not really. I was given one option for college by my maternal grandfather who was helping me. You will go to Kansas University, but I don't, that's not where I work. I was like, okay. (laughs) And uh, I came and then I didn't like being in school and I left for a while. Then I came back and um, ended up with a job that I adored. And then this just became home. Right. That's how it happens, right? Yeah. 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 So, with your writing, and you, you mentioned that you're where you are in part because you, you landed there for school. Um, was school about writing, or is there something totally different that you were studying, but writing is still something that you were doing? No, no, it, it was. I was I was one of those the the foolish people who did an English degree, uh-huh. you know, and um, I, I should have done something else, you know, because you can you can. <laughs> You could be an accountant and, and write poetry, you know, and yeah. you know you can be a whatever else and write poetry. But yeah, so I I did English and and writing and all that uh-huh. kind of, all that jazz. So had had you been writing for a while before college since you chose that as as what to study? Yeah, I think I was you know like a a lot of folks probably I was you know writing terrible embarrassing teenage poetry and and you know things like that. <laughs> that was always that was always kind of present for me. <laughs> you didn't just say it was bad poetry for girls. I've heard too many men say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I never, I never tried that. To my credit, I never, I never did the. <laughs> knew somebody who had a you know a love poem, and he just he changed the title to whatever name it needed to be for the day. Yeah, hey, love poem. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, like, what it is that that got you to to start with poetry? I mean, it's interesting to me because when I think about my high school experience, my the main English teacher 
terrified everybody, I thought. <laughs> and, and so it was like, this is not making anything we do in this class really appealing. Right. A few people, a few, a few people did end up being people who actually went on to write, which is amazing to me. Do you, do you have a sense of what the early writing was about? Other than terrible? <laughs> Other than terrible. No. <laughs> no, I don't know. There wasn't, um, not in not in school ever was there like a, a inspirational English teacher or anything like that, you know. Were, but um, I know for, well, you know, for a while there was like, I think it was, the, it might have been my high school library or my middle, might have been the middle school library that I would, you know, get out of class, find some excuse, and just go hide in the in the library. Uh-huh. And I think I don't know if that's uh, that maybe may have been a uh, formative experience, <laughs> getting out of class, and then oh, all right, I guess I'll read. Yeah, <laughs> if I have to, if I have to, you know. And then the reading turns into writing, and and oh, that's you cool. know, go from there. Yeah, reading. Reading is a good thing for people who want to write. I, I nudge one person I know who really, really believes that his writing is, it's important to him. But it's like, one of the things you need to do to be a good writer is to read a lot of other right. people's works and, and be able to learn from how they do things. Right. You know, that's, that's part of the deal. <laughs> I love the, the library thing, though, in terms of school, because for me and, and just a lot of the people that I've gotten to know, whether they're still kids or they're adults who remember this, school libraries can be really important places for kids. Definitely. You know, Definitely. That, that there are times when you need to be away from, maybe it's away from home, and so you hang out there after school, or maybe mm. it's... You know, during the school day, you need a place that's peaceful, and that's a place that is somehow sanctioned to give, you know, you can leave class, certain classes to be there. And right. it's really huge, and it's been cool to me to, to meet some school librarians who really recognize that in addition to book part, but but that, you know, kind of being aware of the students and what was going on is, is, is really important to you. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with your fancy English degree, did that lead to job opportunities? Uh, minimal, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> as far as an English major goes, I guess, sort of, you know, I do, um, I do a lot of freelance, uh, freelance work now, a lot of editing and, and, uh, uh-huh. you know, that kind of, that kind of boring, terrible stuff. But, you know. So you're writing and you're editing. I mean, we all have to do something to help pay the bills of the Don't pay for the bills. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And are you part of a specific, like, kind of set of writers in your area? Since you mentioned there's so much going on, no, not, not too particularly. There's, you know, there's a, uh, you know, a, a certain open mic scene that um, I used to, I used to go to a lot more. I've been turning more and more into a hermit lately, and I don't, I don't make it out to these these readings that are happening all the time, mm-hmm. but um, I try to. I try to. Do you have like a, a group of close writer friends who are sort of your first readers? Yeah, there's a hand, there's a handful of people that, you know, over the years, you know, you meet in one place or another and, and you know, we'll exchange, we'll occasionally exchange work and, you know, still keep in touch. That's, even though it's not necessarily, 
you know, folks in town and people who are local. I guess that's the the, the beauty of the internet, right? Is we can yeah. all email each other and so forth. Yeah. I mean, we can have important connections with people who we're not physically, geographically close to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a there's some people I can think of that, you know, I've literally I've never seen them in person. You know, I've never but uh you know, I would still probably refer to them as one of the one of the folks I might try to run work by and, and so yeah. forth. You know. And I don't know whether you've ever met Wolfgang Kirsten's I mean, I'm going to ask. Yeah, he's one of them, right? Not in person ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me neither. Well, how how did you connect with him for your book? Um, I think probably he he probably knew of me first as uh, yeah. as a as a customer actually because I was buying a bunch of bunch of books from there. Oh. And you then, found Epic Rates Press, okay? Yeah, and then. Um, I know at one point I sent in, he, he was doing a magazine for a while with Rob Plath. Um, mm-hmm. I think the two of them were, were putting out like a little every other month or something. I forget how often it was. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I had sent some work in and gotten some work in there. And I, I think that may have been where I first went on, on Wolf's radar. Mm-hmm. And then um, at some point later on, then he saw more work and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Emailed me and said, hey, you want to do, do a book? Yeah, sure. Let's, cool. do, let's go for it. Yeah. So this is a book that you wrote after he made the suggestion or a book that you had already written? It, it was um, the, the Ship is Sinking book. It's, it's, you know, I compiled mostly mostly stuff I had already written. Mm-hmm. I think I probably wrote one or two specifically for the book. But a lot of it, I was just going through what I had and, you know, trying to find a theme, trying to find a, mm-hmm. a connection between the different pieces. Mm-hmm. So how does that work for you? Because I've heard different people talk about this process of how they create a collection. I think I probably, you know, I have a file on the, the, the computer or whatever, and I probably printed out like three times as many things as I needed. And then, uh-huh. you know, I have to work with actual paper. I, could, I can't, I hate looking at the screen. So I had to, you know, shuffle things around and see what what worked and what uh oh this piece sounds similar to this one or too similar you know and then you don't use both or that sort of thing so i probably made a you know filled up a room with paper and and on the the floor with paper and shuffled things around and that's how it how it started to form was it sort of a surprise in terms of what it really ended up to be or did you have kind of a guess that I'm pretty sure I've got some stuff that's going to fit together around this theme. You know, I, I figured it would fit. I, I, I had a vague idea of what it would be. It ended up, to be honest, a little darker than I expected it to be. But um, more or less, it was close to what I, close to what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never exactly the same thing, right? Right. That's, I mean, I guess that's the case for any time you sit down to write a single poem. It doesn't come out necessarily how you expected it to well and there's also the context i mean the name the ship is sinking sounds like oh i bet he just wrote this on november 9th (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very prescient (laughs) oh man (laughs) yeah anyway but that's oh god 
and you write in, in a lot of different genres. So, so what is that like? Because, you know, I mean, some of the people I talk to have, you know, primarily this is a certain way that they write. This person's a memoir writer. This person, you know, is, is a flash fiction writer. This, and some people do a lot of different things. Right. And I'm thinking that there, there must be some different, I don't know, like, I, I'm just going to ask you, what, what's it <laughs> yeah. like to write in different genres? And do you know when you're, when you're starting something, whether it's going to be a poem or it's going to actually be a short story or something else? Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I don't always, and I don't always even realize it after I wrote it. Like, I know there was, I'm thinking of a, a short story I sent to uh, my friend Christy like a long time ago and, and she was she's a really sharp editor and she's reading it and she emails me back she says I, I think this is a poem what are you doing this isn't a story I was like oh yeah that's a that's supposed to be a poem that's right you know? <laughs> I knew that it's like yeah yeah that's why it didn't really work as a story okay but uh, I don't know that I always even understand I might not really understand what the difference is between a poem and a story yeah. to some extent. I mean, I know I write a lot of uh, narrative poems, uh -huh. too. So then that kind of, you know, they're not just short stories with line breaks. You know, they're, they're, there's, there is some difference there. But uh, yeah. I don't always know what's what to expect, though. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm not educated in the genres and the different, you know, sure kinds of poetry somebody what's a sex tuna it's like okay what is that <laughs> but um but what i what i for me it's about the power of small amounts of words and not yeah. that a poem has to be short but it's it's like there's so much meaning and imagery or there could be lots of different layers of meaning right. and in shorter amounts of words than than what i think of as typical, um, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And I remember talking um, to one writer in particular whose book um, is memoir, but when he was reading an excerpt, you know, to me it was like his words were poetry. It was, yeah. I, I realized it laid out on the page as paragraphs, but but in my definition of poetry, that that's what they were. And, you know, and we talked about that, and and he he actually was flattered, and you mm -hmm. know, and and I think about that, and then I think about you know, kind of on the the sort of vice versa is a poem that's very meaningful to me is um, Edward Hirsch's book, um, a poem for Gabriel, which is I think you mm -hmm. go pick it up because it's not that far from me, but it's it's like let's say seventy two pages, mm -hmm. one poem. Yeah. yeah. Um, about his son and his son's accidental uh, drug overdose that ended up really? in his death. And it's a beautiful, beautiful poem. But it's, I mean, it's long enough that people go, well, that's just a book. That's not a poem. You know? it's, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is poetry and it's, and it's formatted as poetry, but it's not just, it's not just that it has those kind of line breaks, you know? And right. it's, it's really interesting to me uh, that definitely it's not a definition of length, you know? Right. And, and to me, it's it's all about the, the feeling of those words and, and meaning. Yeah, and it can be, you know, if you if it's when they sort of mix together, that's a nice thing. Like this person's memoir that, that uh -huh. reads like poetry, you know, that's, uh -huh. you know, that's that's huge. That's great. You know, in the same way that, you know, a, a poem that can be as compelling as a, you know, as a story or as as detailed and 
immersive as a as a story you know that uh -huh. that's great right uh -huh. yeah it is it's it's a talent with words and 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 i like that and you know i, I know there are people who write haiku style poems that may be mm -hmm. what we learned as haiku when we were in middle school or something a little different you know very very brief but it's like wow it says so much it gets me thinking in so many ways right. that's that's why i like reading and and hearing people read their work because it's it activates my brain you know <laughs> thinking about the different images and and senses that go with whatever words that that are being shared in a way that's much more active than sitting in front of a screen watching a movie. Right. Yeah. And and I realize that there's a lot of interest for a lot of people in in things that are on screens, um, whether it's right. you know video game and getting into fantasies or role playing or you know all those different things as well as movies and TVs and that. It's like wow, but there's there's so much more. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's you know, what i experience. yeah well you know but it's you watch tv and your brain can turn off and you just sit there and and absorb and and i don't know people are tired i think people you know they're tired and they don't want to necessarily engage their brain that much or uh or you know to read a, to read poetry or something like that when it's easier to just what's on netflix tonight you know yeah it's, yeah but it's also see when you say it like that it's like well it's probably true that people think it's it's easier it's easier right. and and that you know so i'm giving myself a a break but there's another kind of a break that we give ourselves when we let our brain get engaged around something that's not what's been weighing on us all day or right you know yeah and and it takes it ta i mean it's it, that involves a shift that doesn't necessarily happen when somebody's sitting in front of a screen just saying folks you might <laughs> give it a try <laughs> so as as we're talking about reading and and to me, um, that includes hearing people read from their work. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear you read from some of your work, man. Sure, sure. Um, let's see. I've got a handful of things I printed out here. Well, you know what? Since you 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 brought up the election. <laughs> yeah, I did. You, <laughs> I wasn't going to. <laughs> but... Uh, this is a this is called election night, and this is um, actually kind of an older poem and from an, a much older election, but I have been thinking more about it the past couple of months. Anyway, uh, election night. We were just kids, staying up late in her dorm room, watching as the results came in, one state after another, going not for the bad choice but for the wrong one. We were just kids, passionate and idealistic dutifully reading the newspapers, believing in things like right and wrong. We were just kids, disappointed, clinging to one another in her tiny bed, worried about what morning would look like now that the world had opened up and swallowed hope. The next day, she was still asleep when I had to leave for work. I wrote a note and left it on her desk. It's gonna be okay. 
we were just kids. We didn't know how you can be so right and so wrong at the same time. Uh, and it's, it's, so what year did you write that? That was, um, I don't even know, maybe, maybe five years ago or so. Isn't that crazy? You know? like, yeah, like, and I'm thinking about the 2000 elections, right? But, but wow. you know. So you itself. wrote it about 2000, and it's so right on for the... Unfortunately, 16 years later, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> it put a whole new layer of meaning in it. I mean, I'm guessing that because it, it's, for me, it's one of those things that... Um, so we have two, two sons... Mm -hmm. who are adults at this point and our son Raph called us he lives out in Portland Oregon now and he called us after the election and wanted to talk about his 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 you know his kind of starting point was did it ever feel like this after an election yeah yeah it's like no no never <laughs> never i've never been horrified and terrified and disgusted in my fellow americans you know, for electing somebody in the way. This isn't just like this person isn't the person who's going to do some of the things I wish. This is like a person who could dismantle everything. Right. You know, it's like, right. this is, yeah, this, and so, and so, you know, that the fact that you had already written this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you know, in 2000, that was still kind of a devastating moment, though, for yeah. a lot of people. Yes. That was a really, yes. it was a scary, weird, terrible moment, you know. Yeah. Another, you know, thing with the, uh, the popular vote going one way and the electoral college going the other way too, actually. Right. But yeah, you know, I don't know. I try to keep that in perspective. <laughs> and what do you mean when you say that? Uh, we made it through eight years of that. Maybe we can, you know, we can make it through four. <laughs> yeah. Four of this, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. You know. <laughs> she didn't say we can do eight. <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Well, I, I do bring up the election a lot because a, a lot of the artists um, who I'm connected with in different ways um, are really very sort of fueled by this this responsibility to use their art in ways to kind of open people's mind mm -hmm. and build connections and and you know kind of whether it's to in some ways soothe and help people through the time or to inspire them to do something different. Um, right. Think about things in new ways, kind of slip in some messages that people haven't thought about. You know, there, there was a powerful piece and I, and I shared it with, I can't, with it. I'm part of, I'm connected with this thing called the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture, which is a people's movement um, mm -hmm. that is about using and valuing arts and culture and decision making um, in, in all kinds of ways. And it's about creating belonging. And so there are pockets of activity in different places, including New York City. But anyway, so I'm part of this group and I and this and I shared to, to this group a, a video that another friend had shared that was by a photographer. And I'm gonna try to think if he's maybe in Denmark because um, the it showed his, it showed his uh, email address or website or something at ended in DE. So I'm gonna I don't know, you know, it may be Germany. I'm sorry that I don't mm. know the answer. But at, at any rate, uh, what he did as a, phot a photographer was 
um, the project of this video is he looked at these, he had been noticing and bothered by people doing selfies of doing yoga or whatever kind of goofy things um, mm -hmm. at this uh, Holocaust memorial site and, and how offensive really? that was that they weren't paying any attention to the context of where they were right. in having all these light things. And so he actually has this photo series where he superimposes those people's images and where they were with pictures from that Holocaust site uh, with dead bodies piled right. up. And, and he made a call out to those people because people like those, you know, people saw these on social media and, and their own images. And, and they're like, I would never have done that, but it's like, you did that. Right. And he asked people to, to really write letters of apology for doing this, you know, and eventually took down these photos. But then there's this video about it. And I thought, you know, talking about powerful use of art, right. because that's what he did. He used his photography to do this thing in a whole different way. And, and, you know, did it, inform people about something that they weren't thinking about and they needed to think about, you know, and I'm not saying everything is going to be as intense as that, but, you know, but I know, you know, we've mentioned Rob Plath. One of the things that Rob sent me um, not long after the election, he sent me some photos from subway stations in New York city where uh, poets and other artists had, had posted, um, had sort of left these post-it note areas for people to fill with messages of love. It's like, mm -hmm. well, how cool is that? You know, because yeah, yeah. again, it was it was led by artists saying, you know, we need to to honor each other, love each other, let everybody know everybody belongs. So leave a note, you know, for people to see in the subway station where you know thousands of people are going to see it every day. It's like, well, that's very cool. Yeah. So so I do. I, I am really interested in, in what people are doing differently um, because of things that are going on in our country now that weren't going on, you know, last year or right you know, before. And some of it is, is, you know, entertainment is needed. I get that. And some of it is, sure. you know, kind of nudge people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes you just need a break from it. Um, and right. that, you know, you, you mentioned early on about gardening and, and to me that, you know, digging around in the dirt and looking at things grow, that, that has a whole other level of renewing us, you know, emotionally, spiritually, I think. So that's a very cool thing. Definitely. Too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so let's take a little break right now. Um, we're right. about halfway through the show and we're going to hear from some of the sponsors that, that are the business, lo local businesses that are sponsored of Lawrence Hits. And I get to say thank you to Daniel Smith, who has had to work extra hard on technology since relocating back to Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> so I thank Daniel for doing all that so that we get to share Talk With Me shows with people. And we will be back in just a minute with more Talk With Me and my guest today, writer Matt Galetta. Welcome back to Talk With Me and my guest, Matt Galetta, who's coming to us from upstate in New York while I'm sitting in Lawrence, Kansas. How cool is that? <laughs> so what are you working on recently? 
Um, you know, I just spent the past maybe two two years or so messing around with a novel. Ah. Um, and so I've started and, you know, f- finished that. And now I'm starting to like shop that around and mm-hmm. which is awful. It's a terrible experience. Yeah. Sending, you know, sending out these things, these, uh, uh, novel queries and all this, all this kind yeah. of stuff. So I've um, been working on that and, and procrastinating by writing poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Not to diminish your poetry. <laughs> no, but uh, it was kind of nice to refocus on on that actually after the mm-hmm. after the the fiction. Yeah. For a while, which is nice to be able to to switch back and forth like that. I, I recommend it to to people, to writers. Yeah. Don't well, don't box yourself into one thing, you know. Uh huh. And and also, I think the idea that that as you said, you've been working on that novel for two years, and although poems, you know, I, I hear people talk about they might revisit a poem they wrote a long time ago, but it's not like a constant two year process for this one poem. Right. Right. Yeah. Are there certain kinds of things on your mind that are tending to come out in your your um, writing most recently? Um, trying to think of what's been nothing. Of, nah, I've, yeah, I'm kind of blanking on what would be a good example for that. What's a little bit about um, the novel? The novel's a disaster. Um, <laughs> I flaming pile of anyway it's <laughs> no it started out it's like a um it's sort of a, a thriller i guess people would call it it's um it got something to do with like a uh like kind of a missing child story but then the 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 child is found but then there's no explanation for what happened and and so it's sort of like the story of these of these parents trying to figure out what happened with this kid who's too young to explain what happened anyway. Um, and it gets weird from there. And I don't even know. I don't okay. even know. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you, cause this is where mine goes. My mm-hmm. mind goes, you know, you in your, in your bio, that's that people find when they, when they look you up, you know, you, yeah. you mentioned that you have a child. So right. what, what's it like writing that story? Well, that's, you know, it made me uncomfortable. And that's why I kept pursuing it. Um, yeah, I think when I, when I first started writing it, I had the child, the the kid was a, was a little boy. I have a daughter. And I think I was distancing myself from it for that, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at some point I changed it to a, a little girl. Wow. Um, just because it made me more uncomfortable. And I think you get there's there's some value in that when you're writing and, and making yourself uncomfortable but uh you know it was i couldn't really i could not however use my daughter very much for the for the story uh-huh. she was uh when i when i did i i know i and i would show people they'd be like well how old is this kid supposed to be because uh, i don't think a you know a two-year-old can can you know blah 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 can talk that well or something like that mm-hmm. you know <laughs> My daughter happens to be a genius. So, All right, there you, you go. Know. <laughs> you know, but I so I found I couldn't use her uh, much for that. 
uh-huh. because I couldn't base the character on her very much because it just didn't didn't sound all that authentic because uh-huh. I don't know for whatever reason. <laughs> well, where did this mm-hmm. come from? The this store. Yeah, the, the the idea. I mean, I I really appreciate what you're saying about pushing yourself through the uncomfortableness, but I'm still wondering how you how you ended up completing a novel that's about a theme that that is difficult for a parent. Um, you know, you you know, you force yourself to do it, and it, I found it. I I think that's interesting to do that. Not necessarily interesting for a reader, maybe, but. Uh, uh, as a as a writer doing something that you're like uh, this I don't like this I don't this makes me uncomfortable like I it for whatever reason I don't know, I'm a masochist maybe I don't know but uh, something about it encouraged me to keep going with it uh-huh. and then and once you get to a certain point then you're like I'm just going to finish this thing uh-huh. so so then you just go ahead yeah well I can imagine that that it puts a lot of you out there because you aren't, you know, I'm hoping nothing like this has happened in your family, but, but because you can kind of imagine based on the deep connection you feel with your own family, right. You kind of imagine what those parents that you're writing about are going through that, that would really make it powerful as opposed to somebody who really had never been a parent, you know, they're, there's so many yeah, things, yeah. I guess, to me, after I've experienced them, it's like, I had no idea what that was like. You know, I'd had people say they'd had blah, blah, blah experience, but I really didn't know it until it's like, oh, shit, now that I've right. lived it, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, you know, when, and when you have a child, I mean, for me, um, mm-hmm. most of the people I know who have kids, you know, all we want is our kids to be happy and healthy, and that includes safe, you know, right? and, and that's really important to us, and so the idea of something terrible happening to one of our kids is worse, much worse than something terrible happening to one of us as parents, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I can imagine that intensity coming out. Do, I mean, in general with your writing, do you have a sense of there's there's certain reasons that you need to create, that you need to be writing? Maybe. I, it, you know, it like it strikes me and... I, I think I realized a while ago that I think other people can sort of experience something, uh, some kind of work of art, some kind of whatever, and just enjoy it for itself. And then I'm, I'm more of this variety that, you know, if I read a a, a book, I'm like, oh, man, I, I want to learn how to write something like that. I want to learn how to. And this is this goes beyond even the writing and stuff like that. It's like, oh, I had a really good meal. I wonder how I can can I can I cook? something similar to that or can I, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, goes with the gardening with, you know, when I was a, a teenager, it was, you know, it was guitar. It was, well, I, I like that song. I want to figure out if I can play something like that. And I think that's, that's part of what I think has influenced me, uh, over time. Mm-hmm. To, but I don't know a particular, where a particular, poem or story whatever wherever where it comes from i don't know i don't know how that works okay it just shows up is writing something that you do most days i try to i do something most days uh with the writing whether it's actually writing something or just 
re revisiting something, editing something. I always have a lot of stuff to to go back and, and work on more, you know, or even uh, just, you know, sending something out. I try to get something done every day, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something I hear from a lot of people is that you need to do something with your writing every day. It needs to be part of what you are doing, even though there are different things. And that reminder that nobody gets to success in terms of publication without mm -hmm. a whole lot of failures first, you know, oh, so yeah. you got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, and that's, that's essential, even though that may not seem like the funnest part. Of it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Have you written things specifically for your daughter? Like, do you, do you write or make up stories for her? Um, I'm trying to think, nothing I can really, okay. nothing I could really point to that would be, you know, specifically made up for her. I don't know. Do you do any visual arts in addition to writing or any, you mentioned guitar as a teen. Are there, are there other kinds of arts that you're also doing? Nah, this, it's just really the writing for me at this point. Like I, I gave up on, uh. I mean, I can I can still play a little bit of guitar, but uh, nothing too uh, nothing too spectacular. Uh -huh. <laughs> Mainly just the, the writing at this uh -huh. point. Uh -huh. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. So, is your is your daughter already somebody who loves books? Yeah, she is. She's um, she's a big reader. She's what five and a half now. Uh -huh. So, but um, yeah, she. She reads a lot and has a big, you know, they do the, you know, she and my wife are at the, if they go to the library, they come back with the big stack of books and stuff uh -huh. like that. You know, my wife's a librarian too. So it's sort of like, she's kind of just immersed in this. She had, she had no hope, you know, she was just, <laughs> you books were going to be, yeah. We didn't have to force up, it on her, but you yeah, know. Yeah. Does she make up stories for you guys? Yeah. She'll, she'll, make up weird little stories and weird little, you know, um, just, yeah, just bizarre little, little stories. It's, it's strange what goes on in, in the head, in their heads. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's fun. But, uh, <laughs> I have a friend, he's a photographer and a writer, um, and, and involved in advocacy related to suicide prevention, but, but he had a post on his uh, his Facebook about a conversation with one of, with his younger daughter, and and they were like telling little joke kind of things, you know, what do you call blah 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 and funny answers, and then he said, and then she asked, what do you call a kid who kills her mommy and daddy? Oh, <laughs> and he said. I was such uh, <laughs> <laughs> from the minds of babes. From the minds of babes, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay then. You know, that's right. That's... Let's go back to knock knock Let's jokes go. that are funny. Uh -huh. Yeah, right. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the joys of parenting. Hey, I would love to have you share some more of your writing if you're willing. We have that sure. in common. It'd be great to hear some more. Sure. I could do uh, uh this one's uh here's a short one. It's called Litter Box. 
that's hey, listen. <laughs> I kneel down and comb through the cat litter with a slotted spoon, scooping up turds and clumped up cakes of urine, shaking them free of loose bits of litter like a 49er panning for gold, <laughs> then dump my prize into a plastic trash bag. Write what you know, they always say. <laughs> so for every poem about sex or death, I should be writing 10 or 20 like this. So, That's great. Is that one. <laughs> All those cat lovers can appreciate that. I'm not a cat. Maybe it's the people like me that aren't really cat lovers that appreciate it. That appreciate it, it yeah. The last time I had a cat, it was like, you know what? We might as well just put the damn food directly in the litter box. In the litter box. Because <laughs> that's where it ends up, man. Hey, how it goes. <laughs> One of my brothers is traveling for work, and so he posts this thing saying how he, he is so so happy he just had this great food from In-N-Out Burger. I'm like, I don't know what a restaurant is thinking, you know, when they call it In-N-Out. In because, again, oh. it's not like, put it in the toilet, man. Why so even eat it? <laughs> <laughs> but that's my weird brain, you know? There you there go. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, since that was just a short poem that you shared, how about something in addition? I'll grab something. Maybe I'll read something from the book. Let me see what we got here. How about, uh, let's see. This one. This is uh, called Inflated, and this is from The, the Ship is Sinking from Epic Rights. He puffs out his chest as he tells me he's found the perfect time of day to bring his kids to the town pool when the sun isn't so harsh and crowds are at a minimum. He puffs up a little more as he tells me he's figured out the best brand of crabgrass treatment to put down on his lawn, the exact right time of year to plant his tomatoes that always come up so red and large and juicy. He knows the perfect campsite up in the mountains, the most reliable mechanic in the neighborhood, and which grocery stores have the best deals. Sometimes he talks so long and puffs himself up so much, he has to loosen his belt. Today, while telling me how he figured out the quickest route to the mall, he puffs up so much, his feet leave the ground. His wife and kids rush out and clutch at his ankles. It's a perfect night for a hot air balloon ride, he shouts down to me, and I watch him rise up and up as he and his family disappear over a perfect early evening horizon. <laughs> oh. I love that, because I think we all know that person. We know that guy, right? We all know that guy. <laughs> Gosh, and I, I'm just going on about me, but hey, I, I remember coming home from a gathering with... with <laughs> Our two sons and my husband and me and one of our sons pops up and says, you know, I bet she thought, wow, I was great tonight telling all those stories. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. That's, that's that guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Well, you said that sinking ship, um, that um, 
that you thought that the ship is sinking, that you had maybe some more darkness than you had anticipated, but certainly mm -hmm. that one is, is, is a break if the rest of it is darker. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a mix. There's a mix yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's but, a good thing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's good. There's a mix yeah. in life. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so were you thinking of a certain person when you wrote that poem? Just asking. <laughs> that, that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. for sure. Yeah. But uh, so interesting. <laughs> he's not my neighbor anymore, though. It's okay. That's a good thing. That's a nice thing. Because <laughs> he floated away. Of course he's he not floated away. That's a great image. That'd be nice if it worked like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. We'll just feel you a little bit more hot air and then you'll be gone. <laughs> and then it's over. Yeah. 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 See, and then that gets, you know, the gosh, that gets more back to November 9th. <laughs> that could have been written yeah, about right? somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so you can repackage this set of poems that, that have been uh, done know. at different times, and they're all about the current uh, administration of the United States of America. Right. Wow. See that? Yeah. See that? Yeah. Well, that's maybe that's the you know the barometer of a of, of I don't want to call it good poetry. I'm not that full of myself, but you know a a, a decent poem should be yeah. relevant continually. You know. Yeah. That's, yeah. Its meaning may change in context, but it has important right. meaning in different contexts. Right. That is, that is really, that's a good reminder. Yeah. yeah why don't yeah. I do another? Uh, let me do another one from the, the last one from the book. Okay. It's, uh, it's called Eight Years Old. There was a rope tied to a tree branch in my backyard, maybe 15 feet up and I used it to practice climbing up and down, just like the rope in gym class. Sometimes I'd climb to the top and hoist myself onto the tree branch, then sit there for hours, safe above the world. Once, I had the idea to pretend to be Superman. I tied the rope around my waist and jumped from the branch, expecting to swing back and forth, my body straight and horizontal, arms extended in front, just like in the comics. It didn't work that way. I fell until I reached the end of the rope, and it cinched tight around my waist. My body jackknifed in half, all the air rushing out of me. Most people, this story would end with parents rushing to the kid's aid, cutting him down off the rope. The kid would touch ground, wheeze, and stagger inside the house, embarrassed and sore, but a little wiser. It didn't work that way. No one was home that afternoon. For a few moments, I just hung there from that second umbilical, oxygen-deprived, folded in half, dangling a few feet off the ground. Eventually, I managed to reach blind behind myself and untie the knot. I hit ground hard and then just lay there in a heap for a while, panting, trembling, absorbing this newest lesson. You are alone, but you can save yourself. Wow. So... That's beautiful. Because, you know, as I hear that unfold, I'm totally drawn in and thinking about how terrifying this is. And honestly, for me, the image of a rope and being tied around, it's like, there's a lot right. of danger there, you know? So I'm, yeah. I have that anticipation. And then, you know, that, that life lesson coming from it, it's, that's, that's beautiful. And that's what I feel like people have, people who have heard it have 
multiple times been like, oh, something like that happened to me. I did that, except it was tied around my leg, or it was. It, it's a it's a weird one because a lot of people seem to have very similar stories, actually, of you know putting himself in danger as a as a kid. Yeah, and not probably not realizing. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <Just like what? laughs> We have one of those stories in our household. So I live in a neighborhood that is um, between the downtown of Lawrence, Kansas and the University of Kansas. And it's uh, a neighborhood that is an historic neighborhood by the vintage of the houses, whether some of them are recognized and registered and all that kind of stuff or not. But but, um, the particular block I live on, the houses, um, there's no infill, so everything was built between the 1880s, like our house, and probably the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so a, a neighbor um, and I were standing in our downstairs hallway, and we're working on this thing related to actually getting um, historic designation for this block. And and our backs are turned to away from the stairs, and we hear this thud, and I mm. turn, and my son. <laughs> landed on the floor where did he come from and and his memory as a young child his memory is i used to do that all the time i always jump from the second floor to the first floor it's like no you did (laughs) you did it once and we had to go to the emergency room for stitches But it's, it's it's interesting, you know. What what do we remember? What do we not remember? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do we try? <laughs> I'm not sure if he actually intensely jumped or if he was trying to be on the banister and fell. But nonetheless, oh, yeah. it was like, oh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like the least medical person in the world. It's like, oh crap, I don't deal well with blood, but I have to because I'm the mom. Because <laughs> you're the mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nothing better than being parents if you want to be. I don't wish it on people who don't want to be. I don't wish kids to be in families that didn't want them. But if you wanted to be a parent, it's a wonderful adventure. <laughs> yeah. And and for you, your writing, I'm I'm wondering in terms of, of you and, and your sort of family situation, do you basically work with your writing and editing from home or do you also have to in somebody's office part of the time actually i do it all from home so uh um yeah i don't have to leave the house too often mm-hmm. <laughs> if i don't need to yeah but, uh, that's the, the choice you get to make and maybe right. sometimes have to nudge yourself out if you're like me it's like right eh, i can do what i'm I doing can do what i'm doing or if i, if I don't leave a lot i don't spend as much money <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Stay in your house. Make my own Save. coffee. Right. Then I have more money to buy books. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's always my plug because so many people spend so much money on fancy coffee drinks. Like, come on, give up a couple, <laughs> buy a book. It'll be buy great. Yeah. It's good for you. It's good for the author. And and I also am going to say what I always say, too, is, you know, Buy as local as you can. You know, if you go to a reading, buy from the author. If you have local independent bookstore, see if they can get what you want. Definitely. You know, if you can buy from the press, do it from the from the publisher. 
And if you have to go to Amazon, go to Amazon. But don't go there first as your purchase place, please. <laughs> you know, because we want people to be able to continue to create art. And, right. you know, there's more benefit to you if somebody buys their book from you at a reading than if they've ordered it through Amazon. That's just right. the way it is. Think about that. In the long run, you get more value because you seriously are supporting local art in a way that you aren't when you're buying through Amazon. Right. Okay, I said Very it. Very true. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it so much. So you have the book that you are hoping to get published soon, a novel that you had recently finished, mm-hmm. and you have The Ship is Sinking that's available from Epic Rights Press. Right. Um, and you're continuing to write in a variety of genres, which to me is really interesting because I'm sure that your your writing poetry also informs how you write otherwise in terms of your way of using words is, is probably somewhat different than somebody who doesn't ever write poetry. Pro, you know, probably, probably. I might be more um, aware of certain things than like than folks I know who just write fiction, you know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe I'll pay more attention to the rhythm of a sentence than yeah. somebody who's just straight prose. Like even with your novel, did you read parts of it out loud to yourself to decide if it was how you wanted it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I have to read most everything out loud mm-hmm. actually to myself. I tend to. It- yeah, and, and I've heard that from other people, too, that, that hearing the sound of the words is really important to really know if that's a good paragraph or a good line in a poem or whatever, that that you have to hear it, not just look at it on the page. Right, right. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool. So you have your website, natgaletta.com. People can right. find out more about what you're up to there. Um, Epic Rights Press has a lot of amazing writers, and so people can can kind of see some of what's going on there. Um, I know you're looking for a different for a publisher for the the upcoming book, so we don't know where that's going to be, but something to keep looking for. And in the meantime, you're going to be writing and gardening and reading stories and, you know, the, the life that people think, oh, that, that's so easy. Isn't that cool? It's like, I'm sure it's not easy. <laughs> Don't be fooled, people. Everybody has to work hard in certain ways. <laughs> but I love, I love that line from, from your eight years old poem about, you know, that you can save yourself. I think that's a message I hope that people really reflect on when you're having hard times and when you're having better times that, you know, that, that you can save yourself, you can help somebody else. You can be kind of the light because that's part of what that poem does is it's, it connects people. It lets people go, yo, yeah, I did something like that when I was a kid. And maybe, maybe they didn't think so much about, you know, that other piece of it, that it's a reminder of what we can get through, but that's, that's an important thing. And, and also, I will tell you that what I've loved about doing this show with you, Matt, is that it's been delightful. We've talked, we've laughed, we've heard your poetry, you know, we've heard your your reading, and and I think that's that's a, a, an important gift to the world. So thank you very much for joining me today. For ah, thanks for having me. This was me. a lot of fun. Good, very yeah. good. Thanks. <laughs> and we'll say so long to our listeners. You know that post on Facebook and on social media with the. Google Play and yeah, 
yeah, Google Play and iTunes, where the podcast goes, you'll see information, including the website for Matt, so you can follow his work. It's all good. So thanks and so long. <laughs>